Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And I feel like this podcast is a journey back to my roots. This is, this is a journey back to how I got started in online marketing, how I got started in e-commerce. And so I'm really excited about uh, both my guest and the topic. But we're talking about SEO for e-commerce. Now, it's interesting, just maybe five or six years ago, maybe longer, SEO was all the rage and people were talking about it. And that was kind of a priority if you're going to grow an e-commerce business. But because of some changes to the SEO landscape, you know, Panda and Penguin updates and other things, SEO has gotten kind of hard or at least perceived to be hard. And so paid traffic is, has been more of the hot topic, if you will, for e-commerce, in my opinion, over the last several years. Um, but I'm still a huge believer in SEO. I love SEO. I've definitely... I was telling our guest prior to uh, hitting record that there are occasions I'll bring on a guest to this podcast and I will be a complete novice when it comes to their topic. I have no clue about their topic. Uh, SEO is different. I know SEO pretty well. So this will, this will be a fun conversation. I, I will uh, We will try to not nerd out too much or get into SEO geek speak and lose anybody. Uh, we'll try not to do that. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. Hey, that's my company. Uh, OMG Commerce is the primary underwriter of the e-commerce evolution podcast, and we're excited to do that, excited to bring this content to you. A quick offer from OMG Commerce. We are a Google Premier Partner, so we're in the top 3% of all Google partners, one of the fastest growing in the world last year. Uh, if you would like a second set of eyes on your Google campaigns, whether that's Google Shopping, Search, YouTube, Remarketing, or the like, we would love to talk to you. Love to schedule a strategy session. Love to look at your campaigns and provide ideas for improvement. Also, Amazon. We would love to talk to you about your Amazon ad strategy and have an Amazon audit for you, uh, complimentary for listeners of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Our Amazon department is led by Mr. Chris Tyler to find out more about the way we approach Amazon campaigns. Go back and check out episode 39 as we do a deep dive and look at Amazon advertising. But we would love to help you with either of those traffic sources. And so if you're interested, go to omgcommerce.com, click on any of the services, and there's a quick form to fill out right there. And now back to the show. My guest today is Mr. Dale Bertrand. He is the founder and president and digital strategist at fireandspark.com. I was just complimenting him on the name of his business, Fire and Spark. Awesome name. So Dale, man, welcome to the show. And I'm excited to talk SEO with you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm happy to talk shop about SEO. Yeah, good, good. So um, let, let's do this first. I think it's always good uh, to get a little background you know, on the guest. My guess is, you weren't a boy hanging out. And when your mom said, hey, Dale, what do you want to be when you grow up? You said, you know, I'd really like to be an SEO expert, right? <laughs> like, and I think those of us in digital marketing, like this wasn't, wasn't our dream since we were children. Um, when, how did you end up in SEO? What was what kind of, what was that path like? Yeah, well, it's funny to hear you say that. Yeah, because my mother would think of digital marketing as like the online equivalent of late night infomercials. So, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's where we find ourselves, Brett, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but for me, I mean, I have a technical background. So I studied engineering in college and ended up studying AI in grad school. So back then it was 
dedicated algorithms for uh, computer vision, things like that. So for, I mean, I've been out of school for 20 years now. I, I shouldn't really say that out loud. But um, getting closer you know, too. We're, we're, we're close there, buddy. Yeah. The, the first 10 years of my career, I was a software hardware developer at uh, some startups and then also doing some marketing on the side for some businesses that I was running, uh, selling photo booth rentals, uh, among other things. And um, then for the last 10 years, I've been doing digital marketing and really focused on SEO and for the most part, e-commerce SEO. Yeah, very cool. It's always interesting to me, back to the family thing, you know, this happens all the time with me. I'm sure, I'm sure it does you as well, where you're, you had a family get together, you know, aunt, uncle, cousin, grandma, whatever says, so, um, uh, Brett, what, what is it that you actually do? <laughs> like, I know, you, I know you're building this business and in, in our companies that we're up to 25 employees now, so things are going pretty well, but people are always like, so what is it that you do exactly? Because I, I don't understand it. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of digital marketing. So I, I've always come up with like some, some easy things to say, like, hey, we help e-commerce companies sell more products. That's what we do. Uh, or, you know, back in the day when we were mainly doing SEO, we help companies rank higher on the search engines, whatever. Well, how do you explain that though? When, when, when your grandma or well, mom says, well, Dale, my, so, what, what do you do? <laughs> so my parents still think that I'm going to weddings with a photo booth, like doing the photo <laughs> booth rental. Um, but, but yeah, that was one of the first SEO projects we worked on, you know, just securing the uh, photo booth rental keyword um, and then selling those leads to other vendors who are actually doing that. Yep. Um, but nowadays, now that we have an agency and we work with some clients that that people have heard of, it, it's a lot easier. You know, like I I give I give Citizen Watch advice about their website. <laughs> that's, hey, that's what, perfect. That's what my family Whoa. understands. Dale, you're so smart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's cool. That's awesome, man. Okay, well, let, let's uh, let's dive in here. Let's talk, talk about some meat of SEO. And I think one of the first things to look at is, you know, SEO for e-commerce is a unique structure. It, it's a little bit different than if you're just, you know, running a, an SEO campaign for a lead gen site or a local business or something like that. But talk about some of the ways, in your opinion, SEO for e-commerce, uh, what's unique about it? Well, I mean, first of all, we're, a lot of times some sites are selling products that are available elsewhere in the web, and mm -hmm. you can definitely get yourself in trouble with duplicate content, thin content, just low-value content in general. If um, if that's what's going on, if, if you are the brand, then you kind of have the opposite problem. I mean, Google should be showing your pages for the products that you sell because you're the authority when it comes to your own brand, but you might have uh, retailers or wholesale accounts that are that are publishing you know the same products on their website and you might have an issue standing out. Um, we we could go on and on about link building. I mean that's that that's a whole hour topic there if we really wanted to go uh, go go super deep into that. But um, we all know that links are super valuable, uh, and this is other sites linking to you. So maybe you know a fashion blog if you're if you're selling apparel or um, a, a news site or something like that linking to your site. Anytime you have one of those links, it's like an endorsement of exactly. a product or yeah. your website or something like that. Yeah. So with with link building for an e-commerce site, you know who who really wants to link to a product? Exactly. Um, yeah. You know a specific product page. You might have a, a widget, a boring widget, or um, something something buried deep in your site that you yeah. would love to rank for a particular keyword. But getting links specifically to that page is super hard. It's difficult. It's different than if, you know, if I write this really 
informational blog post, you know, on, on how to cook something. And there may be other, other sites that want to link to that or share that. If I'm selling a potato peeler, uh, like who wants to link to that? And to prove yeah. your point, like it's, yeah. it's hard to get that. To get that and not to mention if it's going in and out of stock, which is a whole nother issue. Right, right. You know, is it is it available? Is it unavailable? Is it temporarily unavailable? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. is Google going to just totally de-index yeah. you because yeah. you've got you're out of stock for a week? Yep, yep. So uh, I wanted to let's talk about link building for a little bit here, and even kind of get into some philosophy just a little bit when it comes to link building. Um, so just a quick bit of nerd history. I think some of you will be fascinated by this. Um, link building was actually the innovation that that made Google what Google is, right? So, so if you go back to a, a book I recommend, it's called In the Plex. It's about the founding of Google. Uh, it's a long, I've got the audio, I've listened to it like two or three times just because I'm a, a Google fanboy. But um, one of the things that, that when Larry and Sergey were building the search engine that became Google, it was a, a project that they were working on in Stanford. And their first name for it was called Backrub because... They pulled all of the backlinks. They wanted to be able to, to, to look at the web from a backlink standpoint. And just like you said, Dale, they viewed links as an endorsement. So what if we could look at the web and see who's linking to who, and that's going to give us confidence and show credibility for sites. So if you, if you look at Google, it's kind of built on backlinks. So backlinks, I think, are going to be important for a long, long time. But the key is Google's just getting better at sniffing out the bad stuff, right? The... The, uh, the I don't hear this much anymore. I don't know if you do or not, but occasionally you get a client saying, "Hey, I can get like ten thousand backlinks from a company in India." You know, for yeah, well, Fiverr.com, they're cheap on Fiverr. <laughs> Such a bad idea. Uh, but what? So, what's your philosophy on link building? Like, how do you go about link building? How do you advise your clients to build links? And you know, use whatever example you want. We threw out the potato peeler example. You know, what whatever. Um, how do you advise your clients to get links? Yeah, for for us, I mean, I I look at links as relationships. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, links are something that Google can see that represents a a relationship or an endorsement or of of your authority or expertise or someone else, someone, a real person somewhere trusts you, an editor, a librarian, um, a journalist, whatever it is. So when you're first starting out with link building, um, I always recommend thinking about your existing relationships. Mm -hmm. So who are you working with in terms of vendors, partners, influencers, bloggers, whatever it is, or, or friends, you know, like you've got, you've got a brand new site with zero links, asking your mother to link to you on your blog is, is not, is not a bad idea. But, um, when, when you're getting started looking at those existing relationships and how can you leverage them for a piece of content or, or something like that, or maybe you write a piece of content and publish it on their site, um, that's how I would get started with link building. Hmm. And then going from there, if you're more a more established site or after you've exhausted all of the low paying fruit opportunities there, it might make sense to um, like look at start building new relationships. So that is through outreach or events that you might be running or PR is obviously like a classic case or or business development that you're doing. Um, just just looking at those relationships and then figuring out, well, how are we going to get links? And that's yeah. usually through content. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we did, I was mentioning to you all offline that the journey of our our brand and our online marketing giant that everyone called this OMG and then we kind of rebranded to OMG Commerce. So when we started the OMG Commerce site, uh, my and since I've been an SEO guy for a while, my thought was, hey, let's how can I get this to rank the fastest? And so I went out and looked at existing relationships. What 
authority sites in my industry could I write? And I like to write. So what, where could I write content and get links coming in that could really give us a boost? And so I, I got an article published at Search Engine Journal and, and SEM Rush and, and did a piece for Shopify and a few others. And it's like just a handful of those quality links that helped tremendously for that that new site. So I think that that may be kind of an intermediate step, but I love what you said where you go and and you know talk to your friends and people that that know you, support you, like you or whatever. And then one of the next steps be maybe look at at guest blogging uh, or or potentially just creating unique content on your site that people want to link to. Um, what would kind of be the the next step after you've exhausted the friends and close contacts? I mean, so really, if we're we're going to get get down to it, um, it depends on what what product niche you're in. For sure. So, like, we all know that some are more competitive than others. Like, mm-hmm. you might have, uh, you might be creating a new category or going after a category that is not too like if you're selling into like industrial products or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, your competitors just aren't very sophisticated when it comes to marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other end of the spectrum, you know, I have clients in fragrances or apparel or sneakers, you know, Air Jordans, where there's a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. And so I I really think, you know, once you've exhausted the low-hanging fruit, you've done some content for guest posting, you've written some pillar assets on your site that people might want to link to. Um, Talk talk about a pillar asset. I I know where you're going there, but what, what what would that look like? So, so then just using examples, if there was a, a site, a site that I'm I'm working with that will go nameless that sells uh, sneakers and, and other shoes, like they've got Air Jordans and other styles, you could imagine writing a piece of content that is the authoritative history of Air Jordan mm-hmm. or what happened to Michael Jordan? Is he still selling sneakers? Does he have a relationship, a relationship with Nike anymore? Um, so what I'm going after there is like thinking about your audience and what would be that evergreen piece of content that you could write that would be better than anything else out there. And it really does have to be better. So it's, it's longer, it's more in depth. It's, um, you know, the, the graphics are better, easier to read, whatever it is that you can do better than anybody else. And that becomes a, a pillar piece of content that lives on your e-commerce site that can attract links. And, and that's a lot easier to link to than the Air Jordan product detail page, as an example. Exactly. Because we're, we're trying to get, at the end of the day, we're trying to get product pages to rank. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want the products on our site to rank for the keywords that are relevant to those products. And it's hard for us. To, you know, what we're saying here, the reason why we're, we're um, you know, talking about e-commerce as being different, you know, it's hard for us to get people to link directly to that page. Like, is my Air Jordan, you know, product page any different than the other, you know, 500 of them, thousands of them mm-hmm. that exist on the website? So we're, we're trying to think of a piece of content that we can create that is different mm-hmm. from what else can be found and has some value and we know how to promote it in our niche and then we let people know about it and 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 we get some links. Awesome. So you create some of those those pillar pieces, share that with people, talk about that, get people to link to it, share it socially and and things like that. Uh, then, then kind of where do you go be beyond that? Because I, I cut you off. You're about to yeah. say something else beyond the pillar uh, content. So so then, I mean, I hate to throw this out earlier in, early in the conversation, but we have a hard decision to make about how aggressive we want to be. So in in certain niches where like there's just not a ton of competition, we can get some links and we'll do really well. In other niches, like I was talking about fragrances, like it's, the competition is very, very high. And in terms of getting aggressive, we can do things that 
start to look like incentivized links, which is something you really it's a path you just don't want to go down if you don't if you don't feel like you have to mm-hmm. um, take that risk. But in the SEO world, um, there are paid links where. Back in the day, um, you know, people were able to fool Google by just writing somebody a check and say, "Hey, you've got a high authority site. Link to me. Here's five hundred dollars." And and that used to work. It worked. Um, yeah. More more and more, Google's getting really good at sniffing that kind of stuff out and just ignoring it, or in some cases, penalizing sites. But when I'm talking about getting aggressive, um, you know, the type of aggressive strategy that could still work is basically, you know, giving away product. I mean, and mm-hmm. there's so many times that. We will send product to somebody, use it to start a relationship, and then, um, you know, we get we get a review, we get a link, we get we get a relationship that we can use for some so many other things. Um, that is considered an incentivized link, but um, it's it's the type of yeah. type of thing that just happens it, it is. in our industry, and yeah. it's I'm not sure if Google's even trying to crack down on that. Uh, one. Yeah, I don't I don't think they are, and even if they were, there's really no way there's no possible way to crack down on that. Uh, my my take is, just my opinion, Google's trying to crack down on that first instance you talked about where you've got a high authority site. I say, Dale, here's 500 bucks. Link to me because I want that link juice, right? I want that authority passed to my site. Google hates that. Uh, but if, if you're doing what you did before where you're saying, hey, you're Dale, you're an influencer. Here, try my potato peeler. If you think it's phenomenal, like, like I think you will, then write a review, write a blog post. It'd be good for your audience and then link to it. That's kind of natural. Like that's kind of what the way the world works, right? I show you my product. If you like it, then you may help help me out. So I think that that is an incentivized link. But I think it's totally legit, and and I would recommend that that all day long. Sounds like sounds like you would. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just just um, we we have clients with um, neg- possibly negative sentiment where they are getting a lot of links, but mm-hmm. it's it's not all positive. Um, you can think of some companies in the nicotine space right now who, you know, don't have like super, super uh, high sentiment out there. But, um, you know, we've seen that it almost doesn't matter. Like we will send out a product and ask for an honest review and the link is helpful. The link, yeah, absolutely. If it's, Either if it's way. A high authority link, relevant site, all of that, that will make a big difference. Now, let's let's talk about um, the structure of an e-commerce site. You mentioned this before. And and then content relationship to that. So you know, if you think about the, the structure of an e-commerce site, you got you know the, the home page, and you got category pages, and in some cases subcategory pages, or in the world of Shopify, collection pages, and then below that you got the product detail pages. So so how do you look at ranking? Because the ultimate win in e-commerce is ranking a category page or a product detail page for product related queries. How do you go about helping those pages rank higher when usually there's not a ton of content on them, especially like a category page? Yeah. Um, but how do, you, how do you go about ranking pages without a ton of content on them? At the end of the day, you have to prioritize. So we'll we'll do our keyword research, which is something we haven't talked about yet, but just make sure that we know the high-value keywords that we want to go after. Um, those keywords won't be as specific as the keywords that we would expect to attract traffic to the product pages. And, and just as an example, instead of like, Nike Air Jordan, uh, you know, version one, which would be like a long tail keyword that we'd want to land on a product page. It might be like Nike, which is an awesome shoe, by the way. The Air Jordan ones, I mean, they're just <laughs> phenomenal. The retros, are yeah. Well, I, I know someone who's selling them. Good prices, dude. We got to um, talk about that. So, right. so um, we, we, um, 
we would also want to rank for a keyword like, you know, Air Jordans or, uh, you know, basketball sneakers. And those are the keywords that we would use a category page or a collection page to go after. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the opportunity to put put links to to those pages in your navigation, on your homepage, in your footer. Like that, that definitely helps, but we can't link everything. So this really comes to the size of the site and what we want to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for one of one of the pro- sites that we're working on, I can think of twenty thousand. They have twenty thousand products. You, just, you you can't link like not everything isn't going to be close to the homepage in terms of internal link structure. Like it's just not going to happen. So we really are prioritizing by building out collections that are outside the the standard taxonomy of the site. Mm -hmm. So these are collections that are separate from the categories and subcategories. And they focus on areas that we care about. Like, for example, we're going into the holiday season now. So we're thinking a lot about uh, the Black Friday collection or, um, you know, mm-hmm. gifts for him, gifts for her. Yes. And these are these are products, um, these product, the products that we know we want to emphasize during the holiday season. These are products that we will create collections for. And we will link to these collections on the homepage and navigation. So what that does during the holiday season, and we want to do this like well, before the holiday season, not just mm-hmm. like the day before Black Friday. But what that does during the holiday season is it, it gives those product pages a boost by putting them closer in terms of the internal structure of the website, yep. uh, the link structure, putting them closer to the homepage and giving them more authority. And, and getting a link directly from the homepage is valuable too. Absolutely. Think about your homepage has the most authority of all your pages in, in most cases. And so that link directly from the homepage to this, you know, holiday gift idea collection, whatever that's going to carry weight. That's going to pass through to that that holiday collection. Um, what what is it you're looking for specifically? And I, and I love the fact that you brought this up because everybody should be deep in the holiday prep right now. Or if you're yes. not, get your act together and and make it happen. But but what are you looking for? And let's maybe talk from a keyword perspective. So you're you're, you're doing keyword research. What kind of keywords are you looking for? Um, to, to potentially rank these holiday pages, these holiday collection or holiday category pages? Yeah, so first of all, we think about these as two separate things. So holiday keywords versus gift keywords. Mm-hmm. So for the holidays, like when we start working with a site, we want to understand what holidays are relevant to the products that they're selling. Mm-hmm. It might be the the Christmas season, it might be Black Friday, but it also might be Mother's Day. So we, we work with a, a site that sells... Um, customized jewelry for moms so with your child's birth date and name mm-hmm. so for that we're we're really looking at Valentine's Day, Mother's Day as being being important holidays. So when we're looking at those those holiday keywords, so those holiday keywords could be something like you know Christmas gifts for moms um, or watch. It was one we actually were um, we're going after like watch gift set for a couple, <laughs> which is something that has a little bit of volume that we're going to generate yep, some content yep. for. So it's it's things like that. So with the holiday keywords, we first want to understand what are the holidays, and then we want to do some research to understand the search volume. Um, everyone's always wondering, should we be going after holiday gifts or Christmas gifts? Mm. Um, or, or maybe, maybe also going more niche with Hanukkah gifts or something like that. So we're doing the research to look at that. We've always see that Christmas, the Christmas keywords rank, I'm sorry, have more volume. Um, and then separate from that, there's the gift keywords. So with gift keywords, it's not necessarily tied to a holiday. So you can imagine a gift keyword like a you know, birthday gift for a toddler or, or something like that, mm-hmm. where 
we're looking at the products we sell. We're trying to understand, do people give them as gifts? If they do, then who would be the recipient? And we want to start brainstorming keywords and doing our keyword research around gifts for, and this could be, I mean, we've done things like, you know, groomsmen gifts for a wedding. So that's a keyword that, that people are typing in. And if you sell, if we had a client selling watches where that made a lot of sense and another one selling super high end pens that I, I fell in love with. And that particular keyword made sense for them too. And so are you looking at getting these category pages to rank directly? So maybe you're creating this, this collection page of, you know, uh, uh, graduation gift ideas. Let's go to the holidays. So maybe it's, you know, watches for, for ho- the holidays, whatever. Uh, are you trying to get the category page to rank or are you potentially creating like a, a gift buying guide or, or like this piece of content that maybe is just written to be like an idea starter, an idea generator. And then you have that gift guide link to the, the collection or category page. Uh, how, how do you usually go about that? What's so, your strategy so, so all of the above, it depends on the keyword and the situation. I mean, what, what I would really recommend is, you know, especially for the holidays, we there's a lot of keywords that we want to rank for mm-hmm. um, on a given site. So we're looking for opportunities to create content that can rank for those keywords that doesn't force us to write, you know, a thousand pages per, I'm sorry, a thousand word article per, per keyword that we're going after. So the low hanging fruit there is usually... Um, a collection page that might be a collection of your products that's optimized specifically for um, one of the keywords that we care about. And then also gift ideas. So a quick article that is titled gift ideas for toddlers or Christmas gifts or holiday. Or it might be like Hanukkah, Hanukkah gifts for toddlers yep, yep. Um, where you you choose four or five products on your site and then you you write some descriptions and call that your your gift ideas for toddlers, um, something like that. But um, and then also comparison. So ideally, you're comparing you're comparing products that are on your website yeah. as opposed to comparing to a competitor and giving yep, yep. giving them a link, things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then also there are times that we're doing this for link building. So remember when we're creating content. Sometimes we're creating keyword-focused content, which is a piece of content, a collection, or a category page that we want to rank for a specific keyword. Other times we're creating content because it's an asset that we think is linkable. And like we had talked about earlier in the conversation, we're in this case, we're, we're building pillar pieces that we think we can promote. In, in other words, let people know about it, do some outreach, and um, you know we'll get some links to it. So gift guides can definitely work, cause, but that can sometimes be a different strategy where we are linking to competing sites or, um, you know, blogs out there. We're trying to find a way to mention other sites that we think will link to us. So usually that's influencers when we're writing those types of gifts guides and then let them know about it and, you know, let them write about it and and give us a link. Yeah. And that's one of those things that that seems kind of risky or gutsy, but it really can pay off linking to even competitors or, or other people that, you know, you won't necessarily benefit from from you linking to them other than the fact that they may be more likely to link to you and and share uh, share your content that type of thing um, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit about a uh, page structure um, oh and, and just to go back like I'm not saying if you're the seller of potato peelers you link to another potato peeler I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm just saying like someone else in your category maybe not a direct competitor or you know someone who's related to your business. Um, linking, you don't want all the links in a gift buying guide to be just to your site, uh, correct? Like you want to usually link to other things 
to, to make it seem like a more legitimate guide? Would, would that would that be a fair assessment? Well, to make it more useful. I mean, at the end of the day, either it's useful or it's not. Yeah. So if you, and that's the test. I mean, Google is getting really good at sending traffic to pages that are actually useful to, mm-hmm. to searchers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you've got, I mean, we work with a gift a gift guide, uh, sorry, a, a gift site that has 20,000 products, and they've got enough products on the site that they can write pretty meaningful, helpful gift guides for a lot of different types of situations and publish them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got, exactly you know one or just a handful of products you you, you probably want to you know choose one of the other strategies for content yep yep totally makes sense awesome so let's talk about page structure so you know a category page not going to have huge blocks of copy uh in, in most cases how do you prioritize the elements of the page so, so this would be called you know on-site seo how do you prioritize the 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 elements of a page that you want to optimize from an SEO perspective? Before we're doing the on-page optimization, we're doing the keyword research. So during the keyword research, we identified the keywords that we want to go after. They they have some volume, they're not too competitive, and they're relevant. So somebody typing them in, them in is looking to buy the products we sell. Mm-hmm. So we've got that list of keywords. Then from there... We want to figure out, well, you know, are, do we need to create new content? Can we optimize existing product pages or category pages to go after these keywords that we've discovered? And really, we're looking at title tags. Like we, the, the first thing we want to do is make sure that we have unique title tags across the board. Um, and, and that means um, on our website, all the title tags are unique. And they're keyword rich. Hmm. So, um, you know, they're looking at a site this morning where every title tag was exactly the same. Um, It was a was a perfume site. And, you know, I was talking to one of their competitors and and their competitors were, were doing much better. And they they had unique titles, but they they weren't descriptive. So um, just talking about product pages really quickly, like we first want to optimi- optimize those title tags, but we also want to make sure that we're optimizing the, the product description and we have useful images, a big buy button, um, a, a price that's consistent with the metadata and anything else that we're, we're advertising that particular price so that Google doesn't ding us um, in terms of inaccuracies with price and that sort of thing. But a big a big issue that e-commerce sites run into with the on-page optimization is a lot of them are selling products that are sold elsewhere on the web. Mm-hmm. And if you're selling products that are sold elsewhere on the web, you're you might end up using the manufacturer's description, which yep. is duplicate content. It's just hard for Google to justify including you in the index when you have exactly the same thing and, and you're you don't own the brand, so you're not the authority on that particular product. So we love the idea, you know, when possible, of rewriting the description so that you have a unique one and then or you at the very least add more details to the manufacturer's uh, description. Or you know, get some customer reviews on those product pages so that they're unique. Or you know, some some sites can differentiate themselves with the photography or uh, like a product demo video, which is a great way to do it. People love that, and you know, Google will will index your your video too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so for product pages, definitely starting with that title tag, and then trying to get keywords um, on on page also. 100% agree. So getting that title tag, you also have to remember the title tag is kind of the the headline of your organic listing. So when that page shows up in the search results, that title tag is usually, you know, the the, the headline for that organic listing. That's the way I kind of like to look at it. 
uh, and, and can increase the organic click-through rate. You know, people that are seeing your listing in the in the SERP and the search engine results page, having that good title tag can help with your click-throughs, which which can help with your rankings over time. Um, so all of those are, are are good things. So good title tag, good content, keyword rich. Are you usually trying to to add different? You mentioned videos. You're trying to go kind of multimedia. So good good images, good videos, other things. I mean, in a perfect world, we would, you know, demonstrate our products with videos. We'd have customer reviews. We'd have customer review videos. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen a bunch of those on Amazon. Um, that's obviously hard to do. I mean, that's that's a pretty big investment. So I, I would start with um, title tags and on-page description, but we haven't talked about the meta description. So when when people are are searching for products like yours, your pages are going to show up in the search results. And the title is going to show up on the top exactly, Brett, like you're talking about. But also there'll be a description, the meta description that will show underneath that. Um, I love the idea of um, really enticing people to click on your page for that product and not somebody else's. Because remember, there are other people selling your your products in some cases. Um, so we we like the idea of putting in some text in there like you know new for the 2018 holiday season or mm-hmm. updated for 2018 or um price can be great it depends on how competitive you are on price if you are competitive on price in your niche this is relative to other people selling similar products or the same product in your niche then absolutely put it in there because that's that's going to help you stand out um and then we've also done done things like for collections pages we will say things like it's not just gifts for toddlers, but it's gifts for toddlers under 25 bucks. Mm, And that can make it more appealing. Um, Even if that's not in the title, we can sneak that into the description that people will see. And and that'll entice people to to click on your collection and not somebody else's. Yeah, that's a a brilliant idea. And one thing we've seen is is that because the, the meta description is no longer a ranking factor, Right, Google doesn't look at that and they, they don't weight that when they're when they're trying to determine where you're gonna rank on the page, people ignore it or they undervalue it or they say, eh, not a big deal, meta description, not a ranking factor. But they forget exactly your point, which is that meta description, it's like the copy for your ad. If you want to think about your your organic listing as an as an ad, that's what's gonna help people click on it. And and what is a ranking factor? is if you have more people clicking on your listing, so say you're in position four, five, six, whatever, nine, you're at the bottom of page one, and you get more people, a disproportionate people, number of people clicking on your listing, that can help you move up in the rankings. So in a roundabout way, that meta description can help uh, with rankings. So I'm glad you pointed that out, because to me anyway, that's an under or an overlooked and underutilized area of SEO, the meta description. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of product pages, just another quick thing that I want to say. we I always talk to clients about looking at their products and thinking about what are the use cases for this particular product. Um, descriptive words, obviously, because those are keywords you're going to want that product page to rank for. Mm-hmm. But also, what problem does it solve? So quick example, you know, we, we were working with a... Um, a, a client selling a, it was an ergonomic chair, it was an office chair. So we started looking at keywords like uh, chairs for back pain or ergonomic office chair, because we're thinking about where is this used, what products, what problems does it solve, um, things like that, and getting all of that copy onto the product page so that we, we're not just getting ergonomic chair, but we're also getting like, you know, 50 other keywords that we could think of related to it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and, and that's really where, 
uh, and I think all sites are, are are guilty of this to a certain degree, but but e-commerce sites, especially where they're they're not thinking deep enough, they're not thinking about all the use cases and and all the related keywords. What could someone be typing in? What problem? What issue are they looking to solve that your product could help them? And and, and thinking about that, and then and then you know going after those keywords. Um, let's talk a little more about content because. You, know, you talked about the pillar content, which I, I am 100% agreement on. Talked about building content on the page and things like that. I, I know a lot of e-commerce companies, they get uh, a little bit queasy when you talk about you know, content creation and, and writing blog posts or writing that, that um, pillar content. So, so what are some alternatives to writing content? How can you get content on your site without you being the one writing it? I'm glad you brought that up because that's like the bane of my existence. I mean, I run an agency and I'd like to get some content on my website. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, for, for e-commerce sites, like we've already talked about collections. So if there's a keyword you want to go after, you could create a collection on your site. Um, we love the idea of asking influencers to curate collections on your site because then you get a link to, not just not just the keyword. Um, but there's also a Q&A style oh, content. So I just, just want to ask about that because that's a really cool idea. So you find an influencer in your space and, it, and then you could build a collection just for them. So it's like the influencers choice of products or their collection of products. Yes. Yeah, so link building is about relationships. Remember, yep, so yep. if I send you an email, you've never heard of me and I ask you to build some content on my site, it's probably not going to happen, but um, you could, you could imagine um, putting in the effort or maybe you already have some relationships with influencers. Maybe you're, you're putting in effort to build those relationships. And one of the many benefits you'll get from having those relationships could be to ask them, you know, Hey, take a look at my site, choose, five or six products that you love, I'd love to create a collection with your name on it and let them know about it, let them write about it. And, and that'll get you a link and a little bit of promotion. Hmm. And, um, and that, that could be a strategy that could work for you depending on you know what, what types of products you're selling. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, so keep going. So other, other ideas for not writing content, but getting good content on your site. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we like the idea of like Q&A style content. I mean, everybody's aware of like FAQs on websites. So mm -hmm. those usually come in the form of a page that has a whole bunch of questions about shipping information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which aren't necessarily attracting the, the, the best keywords for you. But if you expand that out and really think about like brainstorm, what are all the questions that a customer might ask about my products and then go really broad. And what, what questions would people ask just in our industry if they're looking around our products? Just to go back to the ergonomic chair example, I mean, people are obviously going to ask about um, you know, shipping and things like that, but they're also going to ask about alternative methods to deal with their, their back pain issue or, um, you know, things like that. And you can imagine putting together a, a, a long list of questions. And, and for SEO, we love the idea of having individual questions on individual pages so that we can optimize title tags and get the keywords in the title tags. Yeah. Um, but that has more to do with, with the architecture there. But um, Q&A style content could definitely work. Um, also love the idea of getting reviews and, um, you know, re reviews, customer reviews can be hard to get. I mean, we're all, we're all sending emails, asking people to, to follow up, please review what you just bought, but, but they help. I mean, that's user generated content that you don't have to write. And we know like take any product and people are typing in the name of the product with review at the end into Google because they're, they're looking specifically for reviews on the product that they're about to buy. And we'd, we'd love for our site to show up instead of, instead of somebody else's site. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
other things you're looking to do to kind of encourage user generated content. So you, you kind of mentioned before getting, uh, uh, video reviews. So, so getting, you know, written reviews, super powerful. Any, any tips or suggestions for getting more written reviews or, or even getting something like a video review from a client? I mean, I mean, it's tough. Um, cause the truth is that, you know, I buy more and just like everybody, I buy more online every, every month, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, You're not going to shoot a video for all of those products. Yeah, that means I'm getting an email asking me to review. Um, that's tough. So I know a lot of consumers are in that in that situation. So it's really getting to the point that we're trading products for reviews, and and that's that's what it comes down to. So um, you know, sending out products to to super users in the space or. We'll, we'll call them influencers, but people who can who can help you in more than one way. You know, they have a blog. They can link to you. They can help you with content. They can give you some quotes that would help you. And they can give you a review, an honest review that you can publish on your site and that they'll they'll publish on their site. So it, it's really it's really coming down to trading products for reviews. Got it. Um, I've got I've got a couple more questions uh, before we kind of wrap up with with that, though. What are some of your favorite SEO tools? And I know I know there are very specific yeah. SEO tools for specific things, but what what are some of your favorite tools? What what tools should people check out? So then, especially if you're just getting started, and and me, like I've I've been doing this for a long time, and I I still use you know Search Console, Keyword Planner, um, Google Analytics. I mean, those are the basics, but that's that's probably where I spend most of my time. The other tools are more about competitive analysis. So the first three tools that I mentioned will allow you to brainstorm keywords, get the search volume for keywords, and then also see what people are typing in when they come to your site. So all of that's important. But we also want to look at competitors. And a lot of times I, I think of, you know, you know, using one of the paid tools to, to get to get my key, my competitors' keywords, I look at that as kind of you know stealing, or um, it's really a, kind of a shortcut to understanding what what keywords my competitors are ranking for. And those are tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs, you know, Keyword Spy, SpyFu. There, there's a bunch of them. Um, it really depends on your budget and and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I like the for SEO for organic. I like looking at my competitors' paid keywords. Yep. Because if my competitor is willing to pay for a keyword, then it probably converts well and has some volume. Yep, great suggestion. And do you use SEM Rush for that typically, or are you using kind of a combination of those tools? We've got a multi-thousand-dollar uh, tool budget, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we're actually using all of them yep, <laughs> that yep. I just mentioned. But um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, any of them is fine. Totally agree. And and I think kind of the advice is most of those tools offer a free trial, so or like a free version. So go use the free version, like play around with that and see what tool you like. And then, and then you find one you like, then, then pay for that. Um, kind of the, the, the last question here that I have, and this, this is more kind of thinking ahead, looking to the horizon for, for SEO. Are you guys doing anything differently or thinking about SEO differently at all with, with the, the rise of, of assistance? And voice search, so people using you know Google Home devices or using the Google Assistant on their phone, or you know eventually, or not eventually now, Alexa's playing into this too. But that, that's kind of the Amazon world, so that's a little bit different. But are, are you doing anything different with your content creation or the structure, or is there anything you recommend people consider doing differently with the idea of voice search? 
So it's definitely something we're thinking a lot about. Um, and really what it comes down to is the idea that there's going to be one result for the query. Mm. And that really changes SEO because, mm. you know, we do a lot of thinking, well, make sure you're on the first page. And right. you really need right. to be in the top 10 to get yeah. on the first page. We'd love to get in the top three uh, positions, but at least there we have three opportunities to rank. But with the new voice services that you're talking about, there's one answer. And, th and that's really scary. So I think what we've been thinking about is, um, you know, relating that to the idea of the feature results. So for a lot of queries, there'll be Google will actually give you the answer. Mm -hmm. um, and yep. that answer will come from one, <laughs> one page that Google deems authoritative. So we've been thinking about, um, you know, like, how do you demonstrate that trust, authority, and expertise to Google around a specific topic? And how do you get into that position zero, which is the, the, the featured result? Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the future with, um, with voice. Totally agree. And, and it's one of those things where how do you build the authority? And then also how do you have good, clean data, right? Where Google can read things and make sense of things because when they populate the that position zero or knowledge graph or whatever you want to call it, it kind of depends on where, where it's placed. But they're they're pulling that from your 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 metadata right? or your micro data. Uh, and so having good, clean data is super important. That's one of the things that we recommend to people all the time. And certain platforms make this easier than others, but but you know, I think part of the future of SEO is getting really clean, well-structured sites. I mean, that, that's that's going to become more and more uh, important. All the other things are important too, um, and, and that's always been my advice for SEO: is there's there's like no SEO silver bullet. You know, there's no there's no one thing you do to make SEO work. You got to do a lot of little things and do them well and do them consistently for SEO to to work. So, any 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 kind of closing thoughts on that before we talk about? your business and how people can kind of connect with you and, and, and talk to you further if they want? Well, I, I guess what I would say is, um, you know, we talked briefly about holiday SEO. That's actually where I'm spending a lot of my time now, yeah. <laughs> now, now that we're, we're nearing the, nearing that time. So, you know, I do have an article on the fireandspark.com website. Um, we just released awesome. on holiday SEO with like three-step plan. So that could be helpful to people awesome. who are listening to this before the season. So fireandspark.com, check it out. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. So if you go to ecommerceevolution.com, I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, my guess is you're an SEO guy. You could Google Fire and Spark and Holiday SEO and you'll, you'll find it that way as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, what what is the best way for someone to get in touch with you? So if they say, man, this Dale guy knows his SEO stuff, um, connect with you on the website? Should they connect to you on yeah, the so socials? The, the, obviously, the contact form on the website. I'm happy for people to email me directly. So Dale, D-A-L-E, at fireandspark.com. And ask questions, and I will answer. Yeah, really cool, man. And, and um, this has been phenomenal. I, I do love the topic of SEO. I think it's I think it's one of those overlooked topics, and because it's not as easy as it used to be, or not as perceived to be as easy as it used to be, a lot of people overlook it. But there is there is gold in more organic traffic. Uh, highly recommend that everyone listen to this podcast invest in SEO. So look at your holiday SEO plans, look at your ongoing SEO plans. The, these are efforts that can pay dividends for a long, long time. So Dale Bertrand, ladies and gentlemen, Dale, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Always happy to talk shop about SEO. So anytime. Awesome. Fantastic. So we'll, we'll link to all of Dale's good stuff. So check that out at ecommerceevolution.com. As always, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us 
on Facebook, on the Facebook page, or on the website. Uh, we'd love to hear um, more from you on what topics, what ideas you have for the show. Also, we'd love that feedback. We'd love that review on iTunes as well. That helps people find the show. And with that, uh, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.